0: today's episode of Trek in time, we're going to talk about going back to the, well, you know, so well, that's right. It's enterprise season four, episode four borderland. The episode title that every time I read it or have to say it in my head, I hear a Madonna singing borderline. If you close your eyes there for a
1: minute, everybody imagine it right now. Yeah, If you close your eyes,
0: you can almost hear Borderland. (laughs) That's right. Here we are on Trek in time where we're watching every episode of Star Trek in chronological order. We're also taking a look at what was going on in the world at the time of the original broadcast. We are currently still in Enterprise. We are at episode four of season four, which means we're just about 20 episodes away from leaving Enterprise behind and moving on. We'll talk about that more in a little bit. But first to explain who we are, we are Sean Farrell. That's me. I'm a writer. I write some sci-fi. I write some stuff for kids and with me is my brother, Matt, he is the guru behind undecided with Matt Farrell, which takes a look at emerging tech and its impact on our lives. Matt, how are you doing? Doing pretty well.
1: Happy new year. Happy new Good year to, to see everybody. everybody. Yeah. Or, or not see everybody.
0: <laughs> yeah. We are here in 2023 and interesting questions emerge when you think about the year 2023, where are our androids? Yeah. Where are our blade runners? Where are our robot wars? Yeah, I know. These things are overdue. Skynet. I mean, by now the Voyager rocket that was going to become v in Star Trek, the motion picture that should have launched like 20 years ago. So, (laughs) I mean, come on eugenics wars. They've been
1: lying to us, Sean. They've been lying to us.
0: It's like somebody is making this stuff up. It's really, <laughs> it's like somebody's sitting in the back at a computer or a typewriter. is going like, I'm going to make this up. <laughs> Speaking of which go buy my books anyway, before we get into the discussion about today's episode, Matt, you have some comments from previous episodes to share with us.
1: I do. Pick some lighter-hearted ones for this start of the new year. Yes, um, from regular commenter Pale Ghost sixty-nine. I just realized we were like four or five years from the next generation.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah. Not only did that make me laugh, I wanted to call it out because I was just yesterday I was watching today's episode so we could talk about it. And my wife made that joke of like, my God, you're gonna be doing this for the next 30 years. And I was like, yes, yes, we are. And then I said, she was saying, which one's next. I was, like, well, think about it. It's gonna be probably one of the newest shows we yeah. go from this one to one of the newest ones. Cause we have the Christopher Pike star treks yep, to go we have through, discovery. we have discovery to go through. Yeah. So it's like suddenly we're gonna jump to the most recent stuff, which could be kind of fun to kind yeah. of like go to that before we go to the original series.
0: It's to weigh in, in on a lot. that. It's gonna be. It is going to be, I think, very interesting, a little jarring, but also very mm-hmm. interesting to really see fully presented how many years gap there is between these things. And I, in putting together the notes for this episode, just offhandedly, it occurred to me that the final season of this show is only 13 years removed from the introduction of discovery. Yeah. And it feels like it's longer than that. Oh yeah, it does. Oh yeah. And I'm like, is that because this show is sitting so heavily in the next generation mold that it feels older than it actually is. Even though at the time it didn't feel dated enterprise, didn't feel old. It feels we've talked about this before. It feels a little tired. Like the people making Trek were just like, oh my God, another episode. But it feels like it's not 13 years. That's really a major jump forward in what television looks like. So I think it's gonna be a lot of fun to get there.
1: It's a generational shift in filmmaking that's making things feel older than they actually are. Yes. Another comment was from Lonnie Laney. I don't know how to pronounce your username, but Mm -hmm. on the episode stratagem wrote CSI Zindi has a lot to do, that's for sure. That made me <laughs> laugh because it was that was the episode where they were trying to fake the Zendi into thinking that something had happened. And so, mm-hmm. like, they were leaving all these trying to scrub the, the ship clean so they wouldn't be detected. Mm-hmm. And so I just like the fact that it was CSI Zindi, There have been yeah. so many CSI. Why not? Why a Zindi not a Zendi
0: one? Sure. Yeah.
1: And the last comment was from Dan Sims. And I like this a lot because he wrote, This is his first comment I saw show up. He said, I randomly came across this podcast today when looking to see if I missed your undecided episode this week. And it reminded me that I've been wanting to watch Enterprise for a long time, but kept forgetting about it. So I'm finally going to binge it along along with this podcast. And then after this, there was like five or six more comments from him. <laughs> he was clearly going through. So these he's episodes. going through them episode by episode. Yes. Yeah. So welcome, Dan. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for uh, com- coming along. And you did not miss an undecided episode because I didn't put one out this week. So that's why. <laughs> there, there was
0: nothing. <laughs> Jokes on you, Dan. We got you. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Thank you, Dan. And thank you to all the listeners and thank you. It's been a lot of fun putting together this show. We've been doing it now for more than a year Mm -hmm. and it doesn't, like I just said, it feels like there's a bigger gap between enterprise and discovery. It does not feel like we've been doing this for a year. It has actually felt like time is moving by pretty quickly and I'm actually surprised to be already at episode four of the fourth season. So, with yep. that being said, that alert you hear in the background is not my smoke alarm. It is actually our read alert, which means it's time for Matt to read the Wikipedia description for this episode.
1: All right. The series follows the adventures of the first Starfleet Starship Enterprise registration NX01. In this episode, genetically engineered humans called Augments capture a Klingon vessel, and the Enterprise is sent to find them. They retrieve the augments creator, Dr. Eric Sung, Brent Spiner, and head in pursuit. After being attacked by That's Orions not a sentence, and rescuing their ahead. crew members, the ship is attacked by augments who retrieve their creator. The episode is the first of three episode arc, followed by Cold Station twelve and the Augments. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. This is episode number four from season four. It's directed by David Livingston. We've heard his name on this podcast many, many times. It's written by Ken Lozubnik. We have not heard that name before. This is the transition where we've Mm -hmm. now got Manny Cotto's showrunner. Berman and Braga have gone off to do different things. They left Esther season three. We've talked about that in great detail in recent episodes. They left kind of a turd burger in the form of space Nazis. (laughs) Manny Cotto came in, had to remedy that did it in a two-parter then had the episode where it was the kind of PTSD episode of everybody returning to earth or to their homes to Paul went back to Vulcan. Everybody came home post the Zindi experience, which Mm -hmm. trying to play with the idea that it was so traumatic. It was a hard year for them. Now, this is the first episode of what Manny thought the show could be. And it was stated explicitly in the episode, the first episode of this season, he saw enterprise as needing to build a bridge between enterprise and what we knew star Trek would become. So the original series. Mm -hmm. So here we see the beginning of that. So they go back to the well that we've seen before, which is the augments They we see, you know, this is, this is the offshoot of Khan. So we're seeing yep. them attempting to build that bridge. The original air date of this episode was October 29th, 2004. And the songs that Matt was dancing along to, well, he had been dancing along to, she will be loved by Maroon five. And then he got derailed. Avril Lavigne showed up for one week, but guess what, Matt, you're back. She will be loved by Maroon five returns and it'll be back again mm. next week. Something mm. for you to look forward to. Matt has a playlist that he likes to keep updated (laughs) with all the songs for each week. And then he does, he creates dance routines to each one. So yes, the one from Rune five keeps getting longer and longer. Yes. And at the movies, people are going to see the grudge. This is of course, right before Halloween, 2004. So horror movies were on the menu. The grudge got 39 million. It is the 2004 supernatural horror film directed by Takashi Shimizu. And it is basically a lifting of popular J horror from Japanese theaters and just Americanizing Mm it, including production by Sam Raimi. So this was his taking of something that was popular in Japan. It proved to be not as popular here, even though it was the number one film, it created a bit of confusion the ring had been very popular, but this was described as being less impactful, not quite as scary, but it is still available on stars. If anybody wants to check it out,
1: this movie, this movie freaked me out. (laughs) It freaked me out.
0: (laughs) And on television, what was enterprise up against? Well, again, on ABC, it was up against eight simple rules and complete savages. It was up against CBS's Joan of Arcadia. It was up against Dateline NBC. And on the WB, What I Like About You and a special for Halloween starring Scooby Doo. They were the competition on WB. But the one that's a real head scratcher here we have Star Trek Enterprise having 3.2 million viewers and beating it by a handful of hundreds of thousands on Fox. Totally outrageous behavior and the world's craziest videos. That's right. YouTube on Fox was beating enterprise. (laughs) And in the news, current events at the time in October of 2004, included the following a Johns Hopkins university study published in the British medical journal, the Lancet estimates that an additional hundred thousand civilian deaths have occurred since the invasion of Iraq in 2003. This is the part that caught my eye. The study had a margin of error that was so wildly large that the actual number might've been as low as 8,000 or as high as 194,000. This goes to show the kinds of chaos that emerge in wartime. The events are not easily measured at the same time, Arab television, Al Jazeera broadcasted a videotape of Osama bin Laden. He was talking once again, taking ownership of the 2001 September 11th attacks. But he was also making a political argument that in the US, which was currently just about a week away from its next presidential election, and he was making the argument, doesn't matter if it's Bush, doesn't matter if it's Kerry, what's really important is US policy in the Middle East. That's what those attacks were about. And in Rome, heads of state and government from the countries of the European Union, signed a treaty establishing a constitution for the European union and it needed to be ratified by the member nations. It was. And at this point, and this is part of what my research led to me thinking about, well, how many years between enterprise and discovery at this point, we were 16 years away from Brexit. Mm -hmm. Again, it feels like it's been longer than that. And then This is what made me think, well, how many years between Discovery and Enterprise then? And it's only been 13. So on to today's episode. As Matt mentioned in the summary, this is about the augments. And this is about the introduction of Eric Sung. This is going to be a three-episode arc, which is very clearly attempting to build a bridge between where Enterprise is and what the original series was all about. Mm Mm-hmm big picture, Matt. How did you feel about the introduction of this as a plotline?
1: Um, I'm, I'm torn. <laughs> <That'd> be the <laughs> best way to put it because at the end of the day, after watching the episode, I enjoyed it, mm-hmm. but it felt like it was lacking some originality cuz it was dipping into the well that we know so well, as you put in the beginning of the episode, mm-hmm. which was, it was, it's kind of fun to see soon in his early years. To see Brent Spiner back to see all that kind of stuff. It was kind of fun to see the pre con con of the augments of what's going on. It's kind of fun to see that. But at the same time, we had all that with con. Did we yeah. have to do this all over again? Yeah. Did we have to, it felt like it felt like it was a well-worn path that was probably best if avoided. So it just felt kind of like an also ran, even though I enjoyed it when it was done.
0: I agree. I felt myself conflicted about some of the elements. One of the things that stood out to me is it felt a little bit like this was once again, standing too deeply in well-worn paths that have been Mm -hmm. done before, not only the original series, but I kept going back to the episode, the hunted from next generation, which Mm. is when the enterprise Picard is the lead liaison to meet with the leaders of a planet that is trying to join the federation. And while they are there, there is a breakout from a prison and a prisoner escapes and gets a shuttlecraft and manages to get away partially, but is caught by the enterprise. And it turns out that on this planet, they had had a war in which super soldiers had been created and after the war, they found it difficult to transition them back into working in regular society. So instead of helping them, they put them in prisons. They effectively mm-hmm. in permanently hospitalized and just put them in prisons. These were super soldiers who had the ability to do things that could disrupt electronics. They, they were faster. They were super trained in military Uh, tactics. So this individual was able to get out, get aboard a shuttlecraft and get away almost before the enterprise was able to capture him, beamed himself aboard the enterprise, was able to stay alive long enough in the enterprise to sabotage systems, almost able to get away again. That to me was a more compelling episode along the lines of this than what this has done. And part of my difficulty with it, you mentioned it was nice to see Brent Spiner. I'm a little exhausted by the use of Brent Spiner to play all the different versions of Sung that we see throughout time. It gets distracting yeah, put, at a certain point for me. Put,
1: yeah. But at the same time, put yourself back to when this was originally aired. He hadn't, they hadn't, they hadn't tread on that too much at that point. In my opinion, it's like you had the next generation where he was data and then you had old Sung. And then you have here him as young Sung, but, but at this point in time, when we've had the Picard series, we've had all these other things. They've done this so much at this point, it feels like, oh, come on, here we go again.
0: But this isn't the same Sung.
1: I know, but it's like, they're having, they're having him play the, still the, the same type of character. So th- that yeah. in my mind, it's okay at this point, cause I remember when it was originally happening, it didn't bother me. But now when I see him doing that, it bothers the hell out of me.
0: I remember when this episode originally aired, I was bothered by yeah. it then, but not as much as I am now, because now it's been yeah. done so many times. So yeah. it's a, it's not so much a like, oh, that makes it a terrible episode. I just find it a little distracting. Like yeah. was this really like, was this cute? I have the exact same response to at the beginning of the episode, we see Klingons, which includes the actor who's played the head of the Klingon people during the next generation. He's playing the captain of a ship here. I do not know why
1: they had him doing again, this. Again, it's, it's, not-
0: it feels like it's, it's a little too insidery. It's a little too, aren't we clever? Aren't we having fun? Let's bring the old gang back together. And I'm like, that's, it's distracting. It's you spend half a second thinking, is this supposed to be the same character? Is this supposed to be that guy? Oh, he dies. Okay. It's not the same guy. When you're thinking about those, it's as distracting. And Matt and I have been watching other programs that, um, we tend to talk about these things in out of time, which is our spinoff episode, which you our spin-off series, which you get access to. If you're a direct supporter of this podcast, that's just a quick pitch. Anachronistic music is yep. another thing like that, where in a moment of a show and Matt and I recently were watching a TV series that did this where it's supposed to be a kind of Lord of the rings type adventure. And then there's anachronistic heavy metal music added in at certain moments. And it doesn't add to those moments. It actually distracts you because you spend the first 15 seconds of the song thinking what song is this? Who is this by what's going on here? And then you get yourself back into the moment. I feel like stunt casting in this way is doing the same thing here. And it, and it feels like, okay, it's Brent Spiner. I get it. Okay. He's playing the same kind of character. I also feel like Brent Spiner in this in particular seemed to be chewing the scenery a little too much. It felt a little distracting on that level too. He's a little too cutesy. He's a little too full of himself. He's playing it in a different volume than he has at other times. And I found it a little strange to see him. Bakula is so reserved, especially in this episode. There's literally a sequence where he's kidnapped and he doesn't talk. And I was like, why is he not saying anything? Uh, So when you have Bakula playing, it's so internal and so quiet to have Spiner kind of filling that space with all of this. Mainly it was the scenes that were aboard the enterprise where I felt like Spiner's performance was a little too loud when they got into the Orion slave trade. He seemed to dial it back. It seemed like there was enough going on around him that he kind of like fell back into the surrounding environment. So it just felt a little uneven to me, but ultimately. The episode is doing a lot of things that Star Trek has done before. Like we mentioned the hunted, we've mentioned Khan, of course, it's following that path. And it does a fine job with the kind of like building, knowing that this is going to be a three episode arc, building a group of people who are doing their own thing and becoming a new threat in this way. It does a fine job with it, but it feels a little bit too much like certain elements weren't thought through entirely. Like I couldn't understand why these augmented people are wearing pajamas that look like they've been wearing them nonstop for 12 years. Um, you can, you can tell Sean, you,
1: you can tell we're brothers because that was bothering me. The entire episode. I was like, it was they've like been living why are on they a wearing planet. Why are they wearing yeah. shreds? Yeah. Why are they wearing shreds? They wouldn't wear shreds. And the fact that they're all unified shreds, it looks like it's a uniform yeah. of shreds. It's yeah. like, why are they all dressed the same? What they can't find different shirts. Like they'd raid a ship and they're like, oh, hey, look, here's some unshredded shirts. Let me put one of these shirts on. Yeah. No, we have to look unified in our shreds. It yeah. made no sense. It was, ah, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's
0: little things like that, that. Yeah, not only that, I kept going back to like, okay, they are they are augmented. They've been able to survive on a planet by themselves. But they can't make clothes. But they can't make clothes. Like that wouldn't that be one of the things they would do as they got older? They would, you know, skin animals or they would develop looms and they would make themselves like to have them in some kind of rudimentary homemade costuming would have looked more thoughtful than Mm -hmm like, oh, they've been wearing their space pajamas that somehow they started off wearing when they were probably children and that's why they're ripping and they've got these holes and like, okay, I don't, I don't agree with that. I also had a problem with like, Sung is raising them with the promise of like, you are the future of humanity. Humanity needs to take a giant leap forward and you are it and humanity doesn't recognize that. And yet they live according to an extremely primitive and violent code that is based entirely on strength. And I found that to be a bit lazy. Like I, I appreciate that there's the nefarious quality that the leader is being questioned and the leader is being supplanted. There's a little coup that takes place. Even the act of stealing the Klingon bird of prey was not sanctioned by their leader. I have no problem with the elements of that as the major plot, but the way they talk to one another. And I kept going back to that's not how Khan operated. I kept going back to that. Like Khan's hold over his people was almost egalitarian. The threat of violence was there, but it was unspoken. and it was with a fascist attitude of, I am the stronger, therefore I am the leader. I am the one you should look to was how Khan brought all this about. This looked like a bunch of cave people to me, like, would they like, would sung have been raising them? Would he have left them hidden them away without access to libraries of information so that they could study so that they could be Wouldn't it have been more interesting if they had shown up in homespun clothing, but spoken about things in a way that demonstrated high levels of study and high levels of tactics behind them, as opposed to what is effectively, I'm the strongest, therefore I should lead and I will kill the guy who's in my way. It felt a little... It felt a little Uh, too much of a shortcut to me that they, oh, here come these augmented people, but they're going to act like effectively Klingons. I,
1: I didn't get that read mainly because it was the act of violence against each other was actually forbidden. And it was what happened in the coup was against what soon had been trying to teach them, which was that they, they made that reference of brothers don't kill brothers you don't do this. And so he was kind of breaking out of what they had been taught. So it's like, I, I I didn't take that as what you're noticing, but what I think of it as, is it's just two people that thought I'm the strong, I'm the smartest and strongest of all of us. I, I, I should be the default leader. And it's two people. Butting heads. So like, it made, it made sense to me. You can only have one alpha male or one alpha person. You can have two. So it felt very natural to me what played out. So it, it didn't feel disjointed or cave-like or anything like that to me. But it did, but I do agree with you. It felt a little weird that you're supposed to have these people that are super smart and they're living threadbare. Yeah. <laughs> they're living and they're living in the way they are where you would think that they would be incredibly well versed because they would have had access to some kind of like data pads or something that would have had Earth's history and they could right. have studied the the art of war and all this other kind yeah. of stuff. And so they they would be well versed. But it felt like that part they kind of like Yeah. Shortchanged. I
0: kept flashing back to the original series when Khan is having the dinner with Kirk and Spock and Spock keeps asking questions. And Khan's response is he's starting to get heated in his debate with Spock. And then he stops and he looks at Kirk and he pulls himself back and he says, you're quite a commander. You're quite a captain. You let your first officer attack while you just study and look for weaknesses. -hmm. The nuance of that conversation, the way that it, it, the sophistication of it—it's all being said over wine, over wine. You know, like that kind of moment is what felt like it was lacking. And I, even if they're on a bird of prey, like to have a dinner scene where more—and I would have appreciated more of the augments getting a chance to talk. I think that they were keeping costs down, so there's only a few speaking parts among the augments. I think it would have been nice if there had been a few more. And that you could have had a little more of a sophisticated debate around the idea of leadership. It would have been interesting to see their leader sitting quietly at the head of the table while the guy who's trying to supplant him has a debate with somebody else around what leadership is and have that moment speak of the leader thinks he's still in control. But what did he doesn't realize is that the guy who's trying to supplant him is actually winning the debate and turning people to his cause. I think it might've Mm -hmm. been a really captivating scene to have him winning hearts and minds at the table and have the leader stand up and leave with his, his mall. I also don't like the idea that the, the female, the only female speaking part of the augments, basically a sex toy. She describes herself as like, I'm just there for one thing. And I'm like, I'm like, really? Like the augments don't even have sophistication in that aspect. Like, but if you have that scene where it's them sitting around a table, having what looks like a sophisticated high level debate, and then the leader leaves and the number two guy is left looking at the table and sees a lot of people nodding. And you realize as a viewer, oh, he's just one a coup and it's so quiet that the leader doesn't even know it happened yet. Like that to me would have been really compelling. Having said all of that. Yeah. But I was gonna say the reason that
1: didn't happen was the show was trying to go down the action path. Yeah. Which is what it clearly. Yeah. We, we talked about their move to Friday nights. Yeah. It got a little more kid friendly, a little more action packed, a little less cerebral. It's like that. That's why they didn't do that.
0: Yeah, So it's like, I
1: understand why they didn't, but I agree with you. It would have been a stronger path to go down that that road.
0: Having said all of that, there are some set pieces in this that stand out as really intriguing. There's the Orion that we haven't seen the Orion Orion syndicate as a strong entity before in the series. The Orion slave girl, famously, you know, an image of Trek that, even people who don't follow Trek could identify like, Oh, the green skinned woman from Star Trek. I know who that is. Appeared in the first episode of the original series, but this is the first time that we're seeing not only Orion slave girls again, but we're seeing what their society, how it's structured a little bit. And it's clearly a mercantile, you know, like a mercantile approach, but it's slave training and it's, Mm -hmm. Their power at being able to attack and disable the enterprise sets them up potentially as an impressive force in this part of the galaxy. And it sets up the idea of, oh, this is something the Federation's had to deal with since early days. Like, so when you get to the, Mm -hmm. you get to the original series, the idea that the Orion syndicate is not just a crime syndicate, but it is actually a force in the galaxy they go toe to toe with Klingons. Apparently it's this section of space, which is described as there are skirmishes in here all the time because the Orion's push back against the Klingons. So that's not something that's easily done. So seeing that trade area, the number of extras, the cages, the setup of the, the chips in the neck, like all of that, I found to be very, the auction itself, it had aspects to it that as Matt just mentioned, they clearly were pushing toward like, well, let's get more action into the show that works in that scene, especially with the jailbreak that takes place. But more than that, it had an aspect to it that made me feel like, okay, this is the star Wars side of star Trek. It's a little gritty, a little the dirty, humor. You see, the humor of it. The yeah. Humor was really good. Yeah.
1: Like, especially the, 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 the gigantic auctioneer guy, like, I don't know who that actor was. That's just the big show
0: seven. That's the oh, big is it? show. He's a professional wrestler. Okay. Yeah,
1: yeah. Okay, because I loved the directing of him picking up Jolene Blaylock. Yeah, who is a tiny little woman. Yeah, and he just picks her up, and then her direction was probably just be stay stiff as a board, stay stiff don't as move. a board, don't move, and just like he holds her around. Is yeah. <laughs> it's, it's hysterical? It's so funny. Yeah, it's, it's really well done.
0: Yeah the the set piece around all of that I thought was well done. I thought the the riot that takes place after the breakout. Uh, all the slaves running riot, the Orion's trying to recapture everybody.
1: Although my wife happened to be sitting on the couch watching with me as we were watching and both of us were laughing horribly at the ensign. Yes. And his overacting. Yes. And wow. Was he somebody's nephew or cousin? Like what? Wow. He was, he was, he was bad. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He, he struck me as, uh, my wife called out at one point making an aliens reference. Yeah. They're going to come in here. They're going to come in here and they're going to kill us. Yeah. Like the yep. way he was acting was just, he was acting at 11 the entire time. Yeah. It was, it was, it was dialing, dialing back a couple notches, buddy. You yeah. The this, this spastic.
0: I flash back to aliens as well, but aliens was <laughs> calm and cool in comparison to the way this guy was depicting, like <laughs> yes. the enterprise is going to come back, right? They're going to come back and save us. Right. And like, uh, yeah. uh dude, <laughs> just like and he was squinting up his eyes so much that he actually changed his entire face somehow. I'm not quite sure how that works. <laughs> yeah. the f- I did, there were, it looked like muscles were flexing where there shouldn't be muscles, I... <laughs> but the other scenes that stood out don't even make it into the synopsis on Wikipedia. And those are the relationship developing between Paul and trip, which will, I will be revisiting this throughout this season As we talk about the story, because to me, that's really at the heart of the show at this point, the relationship Mm -hmm. between the characters. So they have a couple of nice, very brief moments where trip in trying to be casual, but also still feeling hurt and being stung about to Paul marrying in the previous episode, he casually, not casually says, so did you go on your honeymoon? And it's kind of a loaded moment. And then he later does apologize. He says it was none of my business, but she makes sure to clarify for him. After the marriage, I went alone to meditate. And so this is a, Paul who is still trying to figure out like, how does this work, what is going to happen and trip as well. So I really like that moment between the two of them. And another one that stood out for me very, very strongly. Was Flocks having his moment with Doctor Sung, and yep. Sung's entire thing is like, "Oh, i have I'm familiar with Doctor Flocks. I'm familiar with his work. He's almost as smart as I am." And then he gets into the, they get into the medical bay, and I love that he identifies which of the augments. DNA they're looking at. He can look at the DNA coding and he can identify which m- member of his quote children he is looking at. But he gets into that debate with Flox about the ethics of augmenting humans, the idea of improving upon a species. And Flox doesn't want to hear any of it. He's like, we've removed diseases, we've stopped people from dying from ailments. But we haven't tried to improve people, which is an unethical approach to medicine. And Flox's take on all this, the disgust on his face, the the well, acting the, from Billingsley in that is really top notch.
1: Yeah, the, the what I wrote down was Flox slam. Like yeah. the way he slams soon when he says um there's something called learning from your past mistakes. Yeah. Soon says, "What makes you think I haven't?" and Flox goes, I, I, can
0: "I can read." read. Yeah. <laughs>
1: and it was just like that that moment of like Soon going, "Oh shit." Yeah. Like he just totally got owned by Flox. Yeah. And I I will also want to note that I made a note of the whole thing of like I I love it when characters characters that we love, we hear other people talk about them. Yeah. And it adds depth to them. Just that a side comment that Soon makes when he says, "Flox's reputation rivals my own." Right. And he's walking in the hallway with the captain and says that it's like, oh shit, it's like, <laughs> you, you go flocks. Yeah. It's like, it, it's, it's always fun to get like little comments like that from here, here we know soon is this crazy genius that's done horrible things. And he's saying this of flocks, it gives it weight of here's a character we love and he's actually saying something very complimentary and also a backhanded compliment. Cause he's saying almost rivals my own. Yeah. Um, it's the well, ego, it's the, it's, the it's, the still, arrogance rec-
0: of, it's the arrogance of yeah. all the songs, which yeah. You know, and so that, they're all, one, and they're all Spiner. Comment. So Spiner is just playing the same character again and again, and again, That's, he's just like, it's like, well, clearly I'm the smartest guy in the room. So, but it's great. Cause that, that once arrogance sent, comes through it, it once casts again, a shadow and, on himself as well as on
1: flocks. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. So we see all of that and we see the, the enterprise is attacked multiple times by multiple starships. Apparently the sensors aren't working because they don't know any of these attacks are coming at any point and they are caught off guard each and every time. Uh, lots of very convenient plot moments for that. There's also a nice moment between Sung and Reed when he says of Reed, oh, I'm very familiar with your name. I've read about you and your work, but I haven't seen your face. It's, it's another attempt to like twist the knife while giving a compliment. But mm-hmm. in this episode, Reed does a admirable job of just not ever seeing any of attacks coming somehow. Um, yeah. So they fly into the dangerous borderland area and then are surprised when they're attacked by Orion's. And then they're surprised when a Klingon vessel comes in to save them and think nothing of it when it's relayed that the Klingons have asked to dock. And it's like, this well, is not they the kind Klingons. Of, they kind of, like...
1: They waved that away with bacula says something along the lines of, I knew it was going to be you. Like he basically said, I knew, I knew you were going to come find us. So it's like he, they could have tipped that before because it made no sense why he was just so glib and like, all right, let's die. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) It didn't make any sense. It wasn't worth that line because ultimately they go out there because the Klingon empire has said, we are going to start a war with earth over this. First of all, I have a bit of an issue with that. I do not think the Klingons would attack earth because a bunch of unknowns stole a ship. I don't like within Trek, the Trek universe. I don't think that that would be the pretext for war. Having said all of that, you would think that the enterprise would have gone out with enough knowledge to immediately identify. Oh. the this is the ship like they would know like oh mm-hmm. this isn't just a klingon bird of prey this is the ship we're looking for cuz you would think the klingons would have said here's the ship this is the ship that's missing mm-hmm. so that whole thing is is a question mark all of that is done simply to get sung on board with the augments he just needs to get with his kids and so we end the episode with sung making his speech to the augments of saying like you guys are doing it. You are living up to your promise. And now we need to go to Cold Station 12, which is referred to at the very beginning of the episode. This is where Sung originally stole and why he was in prison. This is where he stole the Augments embryos from. Mm-hmm. So Sung's argument is we're going to go back there and we're going to free your thousands of brothers and sisters. So he's going to go back, he's going to get more and he's going to create a effectively a little army of augments with which to start anew. How did you feel about those plot points? The augments embryos being held in cold storage, the Sungs having been jailed for stealing some, and now his desire to go back? and get a hold of more to do more of this. What did you think about all of that?
1: I thought it was fine. <laughs> it was, it's, it's like, okay. One question would be like, why were they holding to these eggs?
0: That's where I kept going back. Why because would, why would these still have embryos them? are the result of mm-hmm. th- they're in storage because it was these embryos that led to the eugenics wars. Why did you hold on to them? W- these are a after product after con con has already taken yeah. place. Yep. So humanity finally pushes back against the augmented humans that were con and his cohort. They put them all into a spaceship. They send them off into space frozen in sleep to go do something else because apparently humanity at that point, despite the fact that they had just fought this war in which millions of people had died, did not feel like executing con made sense. So they send them into space and now they have these embryos and they apparently build a space station. This is a humanity has just come out of war. They build a good use of to hold frozen embryos. Yep. I found myself thinking I'm having a bit of difficulty with the logic of all of these steps. Like if it had been a forgotten bunker on earth, if it had been like, there were a number of different ways to get the same effect but I just didn't quite follow, like if he stole, if he knew about an underground bunker in some way, and he managed to steal thousands upon thousands of embryos, get them away. And that's what he was arrested for. And nobody knew that he'd created these augments. And now he's like, and now we're going to go back where I hid them. I would have been like, okay, that makes more sense but everything is being yeah. set up as like earth has a hold of these things and they're keeping them alive. They're keeping them alive for like more than a hundred years at this point, like they're this having is, to work to sustain these embryos. And I can't but, but understand Sean, to what end.
1: But Sean, this is, we,
0: we've Probably already discussed this. I just don't like,
1: this it. is the Friday night of vacation. Yeah. Star Trek. Yeah. They're not thinking deep. This is not cerebral Star Trek. This is let's just make an action couple episodes where people just kind of like tune in and have fun. That's basically what this version of enterprise is right now. And a key point of that to me would be, you know, when, when, uh, they docked the Klingon ship and the augments are on board and the guy is basically like glaring at the captain, basically like I'm, I own you. You just don't know it yet. Yeah. And they, the rest of his crew storms the enterprise when they open that door, the hatch to come storming the enterprise, why were five or six security officers all. Piled into a tiny (laughs) (laughs) airlock. They're just standing there like shoulder to shoulder. It's like you'd have guys in the hallways. You'd be spread out. You wouldn't have your entire security crew in the tiniest kill box that you've ever seen.
0: Well, what they didn't show is that they were all tied together at the waist. They tied their shoelaces together. They tied their two laces (laughs) together and they were all shuffling around. Where are we going to go? Are we going to go over here? Let's all get in that hallway
1: but that's the epitome of like where this is at. It's yeah. like, they're, they're just doing things to have plot points that can just move the action forward. And they're not thinking beyond that because yeah. you don't have to, this is just a, f- a late Friday night action filled. Yeah. People are gonna shoot Ray guns and chase each other around. It's a That's all it
0: was meant to be. Yeah. It's akin to having red shirts die in the original series. It's like things have to happen. So they happen. And it's like, so here's a guy who does this thing and, and that's why he does it. And, oh, he stole these embryos and everybody knew it and they jailed him because he made these children and I get it. And I just found myself thinking like, okay, I'm still going along, but wasn't there a different way of approaching that? Like it, it always hits me as like, is, does this sound like it's from a first draft or a second draft? And to me, a lot of these elements sounded very first draft, um, which, which to me didn't Destroy the episode, it just deflated it a bit. I felt I found myself thinking, like, oh, he could have done a little bit different there and it might have held together better. But ultimately, to go back to the things that I thought worked like I mentioned the Orion slave bazaar, the humor that came out of that, the sequence where mm-hmm. I really liked Archer activating the handcuffs and mm-hmm. Sung's hands snap together because of the magnetized handcuffs and then demagnetizing them at a key moment when he's trying to climb and he falls yep. like the simplicity of that was enough to kind of like, Oh yeah, this is like, it's a reminder. As Matt has been pointing out, it's meant to be fun. It's meant to be, it's meant to keep a viewer watching, not make the viewer puzzle out ethics and the dilemma of Dr. Flox versus Sung or How does a society of eight people alone evolve into what it's going to be? Like those Mm -hmm. are the questions they're asking. They are asking simple questions of what keeps a viewer watching. So it's Ray guns, it's riots in a prison. It's a slave girl who got a, her name in the credits somehow, even though she didn't have a line. I didn't mention before among the guest appearances. We have Brent Spiner, of course, as Dr. Sung. We have Alec Newman as Malik. Malik's performance, I found a little strange. I couldn't help but mm-hmm. wonder if he was trying too hard to channel a con like calm to himself, but it just didn't seem yeah. like he had much of a personality. Persis was played by Abby Bremel. And I've mentioned before, like, I really didn't like that the only female augment was basically like, yeah, I, I'm just used for sex. Like, like, Mm -hmm. like it wouldn't have been more interesting if she'd been the number two, like if she was the one leading the coup, if there was anything that they could have done because they end up with a leader played by Joel West Rakeen, who is a non entity. And it looks very much like he's just meant to be like, oh, look how strong he is. Therefore he is the leader. And I'm like, that's lazy and not very interesting, but there's also Dave power who was ensign Jeffrey Pierce. We'll never forget him. (laughs) Big show played the Orion slaver, JG Hurlitzer played the Klingon captain again, and Bobby Sue Luther was the Orion slave woman. Didn't have any lines, but she got her name in the credits. So hats off to her. So as we mentioned, this is going to lead into the next episode, which is cold station 12. That is of course the location of all of the other frozen embryos that have been kept for very clear and obvious reasons. We won't rehash those now, but (laughs) or ever, <laughs> or ever, <laughs> but before we <laughs> sign off, Matt, is there anything you wanted to let viewers and listeners know about coming up on your other channels? Yeah. Just
1: keep stay tuned to undecided. Cause I have a couple videos coming up one on aerogel, which should be out by the time this video is out. I hope
0: mm, I'm wearing it's something aerogel right
1: now. for, for yeah, it's it's a really cool product. It's like NASA has called it the best insulator ever made. It's it's a really cool technology. And then I have one coming up on fusion on the laser fusion breakthrough that recently was announced back in December. I have a video coming up talking about that and other stuff. So stay tuned.
0: As for me, if you're interested in finding out more about my books, you can go to Sean You can find information there. You can also just go directly to wherever you buy your books. That could be anywhere from Amazon. Or Barnes and Noble, down to your local bookstore, or even your public library. You should be able to find all my books there. If you'd like to support the show, please do consider reviewing us on Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever it is you've been listening to this. Go back there, leave a review. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you'd like to more directly support us, you can go to trekintime.show, click on the Become a Supporter button. It allows you to throw coins at our heads, which is always fun but it also immediately makes you an ensign, which means you will start getting out of time, which is our spin-off show in which we talk about anything. We sometimes talk about other Trek shows. We also talked about star Wars, Lord of the rings. And in an upcoming episode, I have a feeling we're gonna talk about the show Willow. So I hope Hopefully. you'll check that out. All of that really does help support the show. Thank you so much to everybody for listening or watching. And we'll talk to you next time.